we, uh, we talked at the beginning about all of our note cards, and we're going to talk about those a little bit at the end. If you didn't grab yours, it's fine to get up now and go back and sneak and grab it. There's a bunch back there. If you wrote names down uh, four weeks ago, you can, can get them because we're going to look at those today. But um, a lot of us wrote down names, and I, uh, I, I will be honest, like I have prayed for all of these people, and I've made connections with them, which has been really good. Um, and one of them lives right around the corner from me. And I've met her and her husband before, and, uh, and I walked down. I saw them outside, and they were talking to a group of neighbors, and I was really tired. I have a lot of children. And I was tired, and I was ready to go inside. Hattie's with me, and she goes, hey, let's go say hi to the dogs, because they had just gotten a new dog. And Hattie knows all of the people's names on our street, and especially if they have dogs. And then she knows all their dogs' names, too. She's a great witness. She's a wonderful neighbor. And so we, uh, we went over. I was like, okay, we'll go over. So we went over, and I started having a conversation with one of the people that's on my list. And I chatted with her for a minute, and I said, you know what? I'd love to, why don't we grab a cup of coffee sometime or just connect? She goes, no, even better, I'd love to invite you over to my house. Would you be willing to, would you be willing to come over to my place? And, uh, and I will, I'll, I'll make some coffee here. I'd like to show you around the house. She's a beautiful gardener. She's almost always outside doing something in her yard, kind of like Miss Shirley. And so she has wonderful things that, uh, that she, and it was just this beautiful open door. And it literally took me going, I'm going to walk around the corner instead of going inside. It was a three-minute conversation, um, but it was just a, a wonderful step in the right direction to meet and to get to know my neighbor better. You guys have been doing it too, so there's a couple in, a couple in our church that, uh, that decided, even like as this series was beginning, the Lord was already prompting their hearts to uh, buy and surprise their neighbors with mums on their porches, and so over the last several weeks, they have gone around, they bought mums, and they just put them on people's porches, surprising them loving their neighbors well. Last week we talked about partying well. And if you're in a life group, then you guys are planning parties right now in your life groups. If you're not part of a life group, this is a really fun time to jump in and be a part of one. And so people are doing different things. Our life group's going to have a bonfire, and everybody in our life group's going to invite one of their neighbors to come to the bonfire at the end of October. Um, different people are doing different things, but this week we had someone in our congregation who just is, um, who has a, a really big load at work and has been working a lot, especially during COVID. And so a group of people got some balloons together and some cupcakes and a big old banner and just showed up and said, we love you. It was a three-minute party to celebrate somebody that they love and care about. And sometimes we think that it's going to take this great big effort or great big long seasons, big planning. But in all honesty, it's the tiny things that we do for our neighbors that count. One more story. And none of these stories am I sharing names because I didn't ask permission to share any of them. So there you go. Another person in our congregation was trying to, had said, I really, I really want to get my no to know my neighbors well. And they had a new neighbor that was across the street that they hadn't yet met. And she saw her across the way and, and she was at her mailbox and so so she starts making her way over her neighbor's like, no, stop. We all have the vid. And so they, she didn't come any closer, but it gave her an opportunity to make a meal for them, get connected with their family, and they actually let her go grocery shopping for them so that they could have meals this week. That is how we get to know our neighbors. That is how we love God and we love others well. Way to go, church. If you'd like to stand with me today, we are going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 25. This is a great passage. Um, if, 
Matthew 25 is all about the kingdom of God. The entire chapter is. It's great. It talks about talents, and it talks about virgins and lamps, and then we've got this passage of scripture that talks about what eternity looks like, what the promise is, and, uh, and Jesus is telling all of these stories. So Matthew 25 is chock full of them. If you are not in the word right now and you need to be in the word, um, commit to one day each week reading through one chunk of passages in Matthew 25 through those stories. It's a, it's a great place to start. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. You guys get that language? Have you heard that before? What's our great commission? Go, go make disciples of all the nations, all the nations. And then we come back around to here it is. All the nations will be gathered. And he will separate people one from another as a shepherd sh separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom that's prepared for you from the foundations of this world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And then he will say to those on his left, depart from me. You cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. I was naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying to the Lord, When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not minister to you? Very interesting that they would use the word minister. Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will inherit into eternal life. The word of God for the people of God. I am used to passages to talk about separation from God because we do not know God, but it's very interesting in this passage that the people who were on the left, the, the goats that got separated out, they used the word minister, which tells us something. It tells us that those people knew the right language. They knew what it was like to follow after God. They knew what it could look like to be a people of God, but they didn't do it. Now we know, before we even get into anything else today, I think it's important to say, you read the book of James and it's got all of these things that we should be doing, these outpouring of our lives if we are really fully dedicated to Jesus Christ. But it's very clear, especially in Paul, he says, you are not going to inherit the kingdom of God through works, but it is only through the grace of God, right? And so sometimes we separate those two things out. We go, oh, works and grace are different. Grace is how we inherit eternal life and works is like bonus points. 
Hattie has a spelling test every week, and right now she really, sometimes she's willing to go the extra mile to get the bonus points, and sometimes she's not. Like sometimes she'll go, um, I'm not going to spell neighborhood. That is a really big word, and I'm just not going to go there this week. Um, so there are some words she's not willing to do. So there's some bonus points as Christians. We're like, oh, that's kind of bonus points. Works is kind of bonus points. I can or cannot do that, and I'm going to be okay. But it's very clear in this passage that God has expectations of how we live out the grace that has been bestowed to us. That we are to be people who are living out through our lives, actively showing what we believe. There's... um. There's two words in, uh, that, I, that I want us to kind of focus on a little bit today. One of them is orthodoxy. Um, now, you're like, oh, that's, that's a real fancy word. It's not necessarily a fancy word. Orthodoxy literally just means a right belief system or right thinking. We're thinking correctly. We're doing it in the right way. Um, orthodoxy usually is connected with the church or a religion. And we go, oh, this is the way we think or what we believe about who God is. Yes, the next one is orthopraxy, which is actually how we live out what we believe. We are practicing it, okay? Easy way to remember orthopraxy. It takes what we believe, um, our right thinking, our right believing, and then it puts legs to it. So orthopraxy is right living or right action. Make sense? So the question is, what is, we can't really get to orthopraxy without for first diving into our orthodox. What do we believe? And I think we have it. Do we have the Apostles' Creed up there? There we go. Good. We're just going to, um, can we throw a black background on there? Awesome. We're going to read the Apostles' So the Apostles' Creed um, is literally just a creed of the church. And it reminds us what we believe as a people of God. Okay, so we're just going to, we're going to walk through and read this today. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was crucified, or sorry, conceived. He was not crucified by the Holy Spirit. Let's start over again. Not all the way, but just with this part so that nobody accuses me of saying that the Holy Spirit crucified Jesus. <laughs> Back it up a little bit. All right. And in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. On the third day, he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from where he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. So whenever we talk about what we believe, um, that covers it really well. The Apostles' Creed is a great way to cover what we believe. We believe that Mary conceived by the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God, that he was born into this world to die for our sins. He was crucified, dead, buried, descended into Hades, and then resurrected and ascended into heaven, and he sits at the right hand of the Father God Almighty, and he's ready to judge the living and the dead. 
Like, that gives us a really big picture of what we believe as Christians. And this isn't just like, this isn't the Nazarene Creed, by the way. It's the Apostles' Creed. It's for everybody. Anybody that you talk to, from, from Catholics to, to Protestants and all the way around the loop, they're going to pretty much affirm what the Apostles' Creed says. Because it just beats down into the, the beauty of what the New Testament tells us about who Jesus is. And... The other thing that we have to look at here is in John 14, in chapter 6, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and they're talking about eternal life and, and forever things and the kingdom that is to come and, and being with Jesus forever. And Jesus tells them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, nobody, nada, ain't not a single person on the planet. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. It's the only way that it happens, right? That's what we believe. So if we believe that Jesus is going to be judging the living and the dead, if we believe that the only way to God the Father Almighty is through Jesus Christ, then we as a church have really big, hard beliefs that makes it difficult sometimes to talk to our neighbor. You're not going to meet anybody. Well, okay, that's not true. I have met a handful of people that have said, I am going to be eternally separated from God. I'm going to hell. Like, it's just, I, I know that. But for the most part, you're going to meet people in your everyday walk, your neighbors, and they're good people, right? They're great people. My neighbors are awesome people. My neighbors who don't know Jesus are awesome people. And now I'm stuck in this really hard and difficult position where I go, what I believe, my orthodoxy, what is right believing when it comes to biblical belief systems, that Jesus came to die for us and that he is the only way to God and that there will be a separation from the Lord causes tension in my spirit. Because I know I think that's the really hard part about raising children. There's a lot of really hard parts about raising children. And all the people say amen. Um, like, there's a lot of, but I think one of the hardest parts about raising children is, dude, I have been there and done that, and I've got the t-shirt, right? Like, I have lived that life. I have faced those struggles. And even though culture is totally different now than it was, you know, years ago when I was a teenager, um, it, it really, it, like, we've, we've lived there, right? And we know and so we're in this hard place where we want to teach our children and we want to make them choose the right things. If you would only do this, if you could only, and they're like, you're nagging me. And I'm like, no, I just want your life to be better. I want you to know. I want you to, I want you to not have to face the same struggles or the same consequences that I did. I want you to, to be able to succeed and to love Jesus well and to be committed to him, like those things. And so there's this pulling in my soul, like I know what's going to happen and I want what's best for you. Do we have that same pulling in our soul for our neighbors, our good neighbors, our neighbors that we love a lot, who don't know Jesus as their personal Savior. Now, I, we can all agree that eternal separation from God is real, right? 
And there's lots of different beliefs about what exactly that looks like or what eternity will be like. There are lots of interpretations of scripture that are out there, but I think it's very easy for us to all agree that there is an eternal separation from God that will take place after we die if we are not in relationship with the Lord. And I think there really are two sides of this discussion. The first one, I, I saw this, uh, this was a tweet that came up in somebody's, um, in somebody's feed this week, and I, I really appreciated it. And I think we've got it there. There we go. Um, and and I, re- I love this. I love it because it speaks of my heart, okay? Like, this is, this is where I personally am. I am not a Christian because I want the reward of heaven. And I'm not a Christian because I'm scared or running away from hell. That's not why I chose to be a Christian, okay? You guys grabbing that? Um, I am a Christian because the character, right, the character of Jesus Christ is so compelling to me that I want to spend my whole life chasing after it, embodying it, and sharing it. Amen? Is that you? Like, like I'm not, I, I don't go tell people, I'm like, man, I, I, I want to live for Jesus because I'm worried about the consequences if I don't. That's not why I live my life committed to the Lord. I live my life committed to the Lord because of what Jesus did for me and how he lived his life. And buddy, I want to be like Jesus. That's why. That's why I commit myself to this. Not because I'm looking for some. I'm not so heavenly minded that I'm no earthly good. Like, I'm not looking now to heaven. I'm not worried about when Jesus is coming back. Like, for those of you that know me, you know that's true about my personal self and beliefs. Like, I'm not worried about when Jesus is coming back because I'm living for him now. This, I am living in expectation of what God is going to do day in and day out because I am seeking to live like Jesus. Max Lucado gave a quote that was really good as well. And it kind of shows the other side of this coin. Um, First... God does not send people to hell. I think that's a really good point that Max Lucado makes. God does not send people to hell. He simply honors their choices. Simply honors their choice. Hell is the ultimate expression of God's high regard for the dignity of man. He has never forced us to choose him, right? We have free will. We don't have to choose God. It's not a requirement. He doesn't make us do it even when that means that we would choose hell. And for those of us sitting in this place today, that is, that is us. Because we know. We know what we're choosing into, what we're opting into. We are opting and choosing into kingdom life, Jesus living, and eternity with him. Or we are opting into selfishness, pride, being consumed with our own needs and desires, and an eternity separated from God. How you live now is how you will live eternity. How you're living today is how you're going to live eternity. If it's committed to God and to his ways and to his life, if your orthodoxy is, is fully fed into this idea that Jesus is the only way, then that's how you're going to live your eternity, in his presence, doing his will, worshiping him. And if you're choosing selfishness and pride, I feel bad because I keep doing good over here and bad over here. I'll just switch it up. You guys can be good and bad. Like, and instead, you're choosing, you're choosing deceit and anger and unforgiveness and hatred and selfishness and pride and self and self and self and self. You will spend eternity separated from God just like you are now. Man. 
It's a hard conversation. And then I think about my neighbor that I love. If the conversation is hard with you, how much harder is it with them? We're going to jump back into Matthew 25 again. Starting in verse 35, Jesus gives us this really good picture of orthopraxy. So we figured it out. We know what we believe, right? We got it. Do you guys got it? We know what we believe. All right. If you like there's sermon notes back there. You can take them home if you want to look at it later. Um, (laughs) We know what we believe, but the question is now what do we do with it? How do we practice it? And Jesus gave us really clear instructions in this passage of scripture. When I was hungry, you gave me food. Not a real difficult concept. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. Not a difficult concept. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. A little bit different, because that can be awkward. I was naked, and you clothed me. Not a whole lot of people that were finding naked running around our neighborhoods, but you get the gist. You guys are a real hard crowd this morning. I was sick. We got lots of people, right? We've been, the church has been sending, um, I don't know if you guys knew that, the church has just been doing it, but um, for every family that has COVID, whether it's through our daycare or through our church or people that we know in the community, we've been sending meals to them, um, every family that's had COVID. It's real easy. Bob Evans does all the work for us. Thank you, Bob. I was sick. You visited me. We're not visiting people with COVID. That's not a great idea, but we gave them a meal. Like, we're reaching out to them. We're showing them love. I was in prison, and you came to me. That's a little more difficult. And then the righteous will say, Lord, when will we do that? When we see you hungry and feed you? When we see you thirsty? Give you something to drink. When do we see you a stranger and welcome you? When did we see you naked and put clothes on you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of my brothers, I want you guys to read these last five words with me. You did it to me. You did it to me. That is the calling of our orthopraxy. For Jesus says, I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, you welcomed me. I was naked, you clothed All of these things. And he said, just love your neighbor. He could have made it real simple here. He said, you loved your neighbor, you didn't. Or you loved your neighbor and you didn't. That, he could have said that because that's what we've been discussing, right? We're loving our neighbors. Orthopraxy puts legs and arms and hands and feet to our belief systems. What we believe then begins to move. Now, I do not expect you to go to your neighbor today. Um, And you can, if you filled out these cards. If I didn't explain this well, five weeks we had a sermon that we were talking about loving our neighbors well, and we committed to pray for them. And I've been coming in here and praying over these names with you. So I want you to know I've been doing that too. Um, and, uh, And we wrote down at least three people that we were committing to over the next month to make contact with, to reach out to, to build a connection with, to start being a good neighbor to. And so as we've been praying over those and reaching out to those people, and you can do that today if you want to. If you weren't here five weeks ago and you didn't do it and you want to do it now, that'd be fantastic because it's just all about a culture of, of loving our neighbors well. But, but we, we look at our neighbors 
And I, I look at the people on these cards, and I can promise you what I didn't do. This is not what I did. I did not go up to my neighbor and say, did you know that you're going to hell? <laughs> like that, that would have been a great conversation starter and a really good end to a good neighbor. <laughs> right? Like I, I didn't do that to anybody. I didn't walk up to anybody and say, now, have you ever read the Apostles' Creed before? I didn't do that. I, I, don't, I don't think they probably care about the Apostles' Creed, um, they, especially if they're not in any type of relationship with Jesus. I didn't walk up to any of my neighbors and say, do you know that there is eternal separation from God and that is where you're going to go if you don't commit your life to him right now? I didn't. I didn't do any of those things. Why? Because I would lose a neighbor <laughs> or something worse. Um, like, I am really really thankful for my neighbors. I really, really have a burden for them to follow after Jesus Christ. And I think we just looped back around today to five weeks ago and the things we talked about at that time. How do we do it? We find ways to love our neighbors, to build relationships with them, to have conversations with them. And I don't know about you, but like my, the activator in me wants everything to happen yesterday, right? I want all my neighbors to know Jesus yesterday. But in all honesty, it is a process of practice. It's a process of practice. You have to be committed to it. You have to continually reach out. And you are not responsible for the whole world. That's why the church exists, right? The church exists because we all have connections. We all have relationships. And we just need to be praying. God, bring somebody to mind. Bring somebody into my realm of influence that I can love, that I can share the good news of Jesus Christ with, whether that's through a meal or over a cup of coffee. I have prayed with a ton of my neighbors. You know why? I know you guys are tired of hearing this too, because nobody ever tells me no. It's the truth. You, I don't ever walk up to a neighbor or to a, a, a hostess at a restaurant or somebody in line at Menards who's, for whatever reason, feels a deep need to share all of their burdens with me and doesn't know who I am at all. I have never looked at anyone and said, would it be okay if I pray, with you, if I pray for you? No one's ever gone, oh, no, don't be praying for me. I don't want that. Like, what a great open door to let people know you're praying for. It takes half a second to send a text and say, hey, I said I'd pray for you. I want you to know I did that today. Man, how many of you have been on the other end of encouragement like that? At just the right time. One more story, and then I'll be done. I'll wrap this thing up. I'll land the, land the plane. So I, I have a good friend. I was in his wedding many years ago, and I and worked with him for a long time. And I had an experience, I was driving back to the church from, actually I, was, I had just seen Linda because she had surgery and I was hanging out with the Simpsons a little bit. And so I was driving back from there and I'm on this country road and there was a train and I had to get turned around, long story short. Anyway, so, um, so I'm driving and all of a sudden God says, you need to call him, the name of my friend. We'll just call him Jay for the sake of having a name. You need to call Jay. And I'm like, I have never, I promise you, I've never felt something so strongly in my life. Like, it, it was this, it was this gut-wrenching, like, if I don't call him now, he could die. That's what I thought. I thought, is he about to get in a car accident, and if I don't call, then, like, I, I didn't know, but I felt it so strongly. So I called, he doesn't answer the phone, and I just pray for him all the way back. I mean, just, I'm sick, 
I'm sick at this point because it just felt so clearly that God wanted me to call Jay. I get back to the church and life happens. You know, it's a couple days go by, a couple weeks go by. I forget that, I don't forget that the incidents happened, but I just, I just forget, you know, like it's not on the top of my mind. And I get a phone call and I look down and it's him. Jay is calling me on the phone. And I pick it up and he is practically in tears. He says, hey, Rach. I said, hey, how are you doing? And he just begins to share with me, um, devastation after devastation that have happened in his life in the last two weeks. Like just heart-wrenching, completely out of his control. Um, it, he's a pastor and it's a, it's a broken family issue and a broken life issue and just all of these things. Again, not th- none of it was his fault. It's just things that have happened to him. And I spent time listening to him and I prayed with him at the end. Now he's somebody who loves Jesus. But it's just an instance of our hearts being open to the Lord when he puts an impression for us to be praying for someone. And it's not always that strong. Sometimes it's real simple. Like, you know, this is a great way, you know your neighbor's dog died. I've never had a dog. Um, I, I had a dog as a kid, but like as an adult, I've never had a dog that like I had for a long time that passed away. And, um, and so I don't know what it's like to grieve that, but man, I have friends who just desperately grieve the loss of their pets. That's a great time to reach out to somebody. I got to pray with my neighbor's dog as she was dying. Like, like just ways that we can reach out and love our neighbors. Okay, I'm all done. But I, I, I really think that as a church body, I wasn't going to preach this series at all. Um, this wasn't a series that was in the docket. I usually plan everything about a year out. In October, I plan the whole next year. So this month, I will plan all of next year's sermons um, with the help of others and with the Lord. So we were supposed to be in Galatians right now. We weren't supposed to be in this series. But I just feel so strongly that if the Lord is going to change our church, he's going to change you and change me, this is it. This is it. We're a nice church. We're real nice. Nobody ever comes in and leaves and goes, man, that church is a mean church. Ain't nobody talked to me. Nobody was kind to me. But we're not very invitational. We're not. It's okay. Like, I'm not mad at you about it. It's just a fact of life. We're busy. Got a lot going on. Some people, honestly, have no relationships outside of this room. But the deal is that that's not, man, the church doesn't have a mission. The mission of God has a church. And if we're living like a vehicle, a vehicle of the mission of God, we got to start being invitational. we got to start feeding the sick and loving our neighbor and inviting people to come sit with us. Two weeks from now. You have a great opportunity. We're doing everything down in the gym for the hog roast. We're going to have a hog roast. It'll be a hog, and we're going to roast it. Actually, Dave's going to roast it, and a group of guys who don't like to sleep. And then we're going to eat it all together. We're going to do everything in there. And next week, you're going to get three invitation cards, and uh, we're going to pray over those and commit to pass them out to three different people. Because it's real easy to say, hey, you want to come have a meal with me? Come eat a pig we just roasted. Everybody loves them some bacon. You know they want some. 
And it's a great way to just start being invitational. You guys can do it. I know you can. I can do it. I know I can. We just have to really commit our hearts to loving God and loving our neighbor above all else. I'm going to invite Ashley and Dave to come forward and um, Pastor Garrett and Karen and Chad. And today we're just going to take a few moments and we're going to participate in the Lord's Supper together. Um, And through the participation, I, I think it's really important that we understand that communion is about community. Communion is a means of grace that is about the community, about a community living in unity. And so today, as, as you receive these elements, as you hear the words, the, the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for the forgiveness of your sins, as you partake in that today, partake in an acceptance of being unified with your community to love God and love your neighbor well. Can we do that today? Oh, T.C. Naz, may God just pour out his love on you this week. May you feel it in your comings and in your goings. When you walk down the street, when you see your neighbor, when you go to work, yep, even then. May God just bless you and pour it out and pour it out. As you go from this place today, may you commit to loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and live out orthopraxy, loving your neighbor as yourself. Amen. You are dismissed.